0: This is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. We discuss what's going on in our quiet time. And sometimes we get emails and we get emails from you. And we're so grateful. Anything at,
1: what is it? HopeOnDemand.com. Hope o-
0: I still can't remember it.
1: Anything at, at HopeOnDemand.com. Hope because you can send us. Anything.
0: But why is it that you asked me to share it and I can't ever remember? I know. I know. Is it because you think if I say it enough times, I'm going to remember? Maybe
1: it? one of these days. I, I do. We do have one comment on uh, the Apple podcasts. Oh, okay. Because you can leave a comment there as well. Oh, fantastic. I love that y'all were bold enough to share and talk about Roe versus Wade. You did a great job speaking truth and love and backing it up with scripture. Okay. Thank you for talking about the hard topics. That's from Lincoln.
0: Thank you, Lincoln. And he
1: gave a five-star review. So thank you so much for doing that.
0: Lincoln, Lincoln. I've been thinking, you know, just because I did that, he took back his, yep, he that's took it. back a couple he, you stars. You know, it disappeared
1: off my screen right <laughs> as you said that. Uh, no, we did get an email and we do want to chat about whatever's on your mind, life experiences, yes. or or what we shared already that you want to discuss at uh, anything at hopeondemand.com. And Mary sent us an email.
0: So grateful that you did, Mary, if you're listening. Uh, And one of our favorite things about her email, she starts it off by saying, I listened to your Roe v. Wade podcast in full.
1: I like, I love that. That right off the bat, I'm like, because we do a radio show and sometimes people will hear one it seem, seems like yeah. one syllable that we say and jump to a conclusion instead of hearing fully what we say. And and you did that. So we really appreciate and that.
0: And honestly, that inspires me to just try to keep doing that with people. Oh, sure. Yeah. If I give people the opportunity to say their entire spiel or whatever. Yeah then and then and and not have it in my mind to be thinking of my next thought while they're speaking i'm truly listening
1: fully process what they're saying yes
0: i'm making myself available and so wow mary that that's amazing thank you
1: uh mary's is about the roe versus wade podcast and this is what she shared mm-hmm. um i listened to it in its entirety i do have many issues with this situation and primarily i dislike that it was insinuated by carter that if you weren't against abortion then you are not a christian mm. I don't think that abortion should be common or used as routine birth control, but life has many shades of gray. There are and will continue to be instances of pregnancy from rape and incest and contraceptive failure. I'm sure that you heard about the 10-year-old girl in Ohio who became pregnant from rape Mm -hmm. and then had to travel to Indiana to end the pregnancy. I can't imagine that requiring her to go through childbirth after this trauma and risking her life would be anything but barbaric. Mm. The denomination to which I belonged all of my life asks us to consider four things in making decisions.
0: And I like this. So I kind of want to highlight what, what she shared that her church has a filtering process, if you will. Scripture. Okay.
1: Tradition. Mm-hmm. Experience and reason.
0: Okay. That's interesting.
1: And she wrote scripture first. I think we want to talk about that a little bit too, but um, it occurs to me that it is reasonable to expect that unplanned and unwanted pregnancies will continue to happen no matter how much we all wish it were otherwise. Therefore, to my mind, abortion should be legal and safe as it is now. Women's lives have already been lost due to hesitation in providing an abortion when the woman's health is at risk and, or the baby has severe birth defects. Mm. Those with financial means at this time can travel to a place where it's still legal Mm. Poorer women and girls may give birth in poverty and a higher proportion of females of color will suffer. I appreciate your attention to this.
0: Would you also give her church's guidelines against scripture? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tradition, tradition, experience, okay, and reason. Experience and reason. And those help you form the opinion? Is that what she's
1: taught? Uh, what she said was the denomination, which I belong to all my life, mm-hmm. asks us to consider four things In making decisions.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I do love that the church gives kind of that as a guardrails. We talk about guardrails. Sure. Here's a good way to, to look at life because even the apostle Paul, when he is sharing through his letters to the different churches, he is looking at things from different angles there's all or nothing statements that you read in scripture, but then we'll look at a chapter like he shares in Romans 13, I believe. Yes. About meat or is that 12? Oh, 14. It's 14. I was one off. I'm sorry. But when he's talking about, Hey, some folks are having problems with whether or not you should eat the meat that's been sacrificed to idols. And he said, for me, I don't have an issue, but there are others who do. And I do not choose to, to take part in it around them. And so he kind of brought some, some reasoning in there. And through his experience Obviously, that's going to change with you, with every audience. You're considering every audience that you're talking to. So I understand kind of where they've arrived at helping involve these sure. kinds of things in process and decision making. It's certainly uh, always landing for me. Scripture needs to be number one.
1: I think it's kind of the first tier and yeah. the others are second tier. Yeah. Because my experience can all of a sudden change my mind on something.
0: Yeah. And I start you know, reading scripture through that well, even something, mindset. Let's
1: say not even something not spiritual. You know, if I have a bad experience with my neighbor mm-hmm. or a bad experience with the police, all of a sudden my mind is going to be changed on that person or maybe the whole police force or whatever. Sure. And so even obviously taking that to, if scripture doesn't change, but my mind can Can change. Yeah. So
0: I like that second tier and then tradition, obviously separating the difference between, and sometimes that's difficult for us as believers. If we've grown up and we've been raised in the church, what is tradition for the church and what does actual scripture say? And that's very important to decipher.
1: I want to address this by, by saying, I mean, first of all, like we said, thank you for uh, listening to all of it and thoughtfully uh, replying uh, I mean, I think a couple of things here. One is, first of all, I, I do want to apologize if that was insinuated at all, uh, that you can't be a Christian and feel different ways on an issue.
0: Specifically abortion is what you Well, we specifically share. this. Yeah.
1: I mean, obviously that whole episode was about that, but it's not a salvation issue. Mm-hmm. Now, I may think that somebody might have a stance on this issue or anything that's not biblical, but that doesn't mean that it it's a salvation issue. Yeah. And so do I think that somebody can be a Christian and have a different stance on something or even be wrong about something Mm -hmm. scripturally? Yeah. I think we're all going to be wrong about something. Mm -hmm. We'll get to heaven. It it might be minor. It might be major, but oh, oh, that was, oh, okay. You know, I, I I just think that's going to be the case. Right. Um, Something like speaking in tongues or, you know, whatever, things that aren't to this magnitude, but still. The most important thing is what is the gospel? Mm -hmm. Who is, what is the nature of God? How do we come right with him? I mean, that's the main conversation that would be either you're a Christian or you're not.
0: In Romans, once again, I'm going to reference that. I'm kind of going over that in my quiet time, but Paul is very clear. If you believe in Jesus, if you believe that he's the son of God, this is what you're linking into faith. (laughs) You're tapping into faith and saying, this is what I am choosing to believe. Mm -hmm. You have been saved. Through your faith and for what Jesus has done for you on the cross, nothing to do with yeah. you. You've just believed what, yeah. what He did, what He He's already done. That's exactly right. so. Regardless of where you are on an uh, an issue uh, like you shared of this magnitude, um, you could still be a saved person going to heaven, but have a uh, an opposing thought to what Scripture we believe has implied.
1: And I also think. Point number two that I I took away, and then I kind of want to talk about some specifics on this email. Um, point number two is, I, I would love for you to still be a part of this uh, podcast and uh, and hang out because oh, absolutely I, I think also we can not agree on everything and still be brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. So going back to that first part, are you you know I I I certainly didn't mean to insinuate you can't be a Christian. I right. I can't remember what it was. I probably said something to the effect of. You know, the biblical mindset of mm-hmm. this is because, yeah, I mean, obviously we said it. I, I do think that scripture points to being pro-life mm-hmm. um, in, in, in really all circumstances. Uh, but I didn't mean to insinuate you can't be a Christian. And also, we can disagree agreeably.
0: Yes, we can. And, uh, and all of the things that she brought up, clearly, uh, even, oh my word, the 10-year-old that became pregnant. And had to be taken to another state and uh, per her parents' wishes and, and her, I'm assuming her doctors. I'm not entirely certain of the entire story, but they went to a different state in order for her to have an abortion. And uh, those types of cases. So, Mary, your heart clearly yeah. Yeah. is filled with compassion. It's a last resort type of thing in her heart. It's not, hey, it's the woman's choice per se if it it almost sounds like and I don't mean to be putting words in her mouth but if if we are running about and we're being promiscuous and we are not um challenging ourselves to be more responsible in terms of uh uh safety you know and 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 using contraceptives or whatever it is if that's what's happening and then i i think that abortion is always never never an option for people. It should not be an option for people.
1: Well, I want to throw something out there and, in that extreme scenario,
0: but okay. But at the same time, understanding the sympathetic uh, stance, the compassionate stance of, I, I want to come alongside people and help them to know that I have heard your story, Yeah. you know? And, and so I, there are so many different things playing here and the all or nothing approach feels harsh. This is what scripture states, though, in terms of God is for life, right? Based on that, what is tradition and then going through the filters also of reason and uh, I forgot the last one. Experience. Experience. So with
1: this extreme situation, you know, I actually I brought up this email. My wife had a friend over last night. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so it it was two women and me. And I just wanted to kind of get their thoughts on you it. You were
0: outnumbered.
1: And uh, I was glad. I was glad because obviously what we talked about on that episode, if you haven't got a chance, by the way, it's, uh, what is it, two episodes ago now, the Roe versus Wade episode that we did. Um, and uh, I think that can be where, where men go is, you know, I don't really want to be the loudest voice because I can't get pregnant. So uh, I don't know, maybe I'll just back off. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did want to to run it past them and they had some good thoughts. I, I think one misnomer with that situation uh, barbaric for, to put somebody through, you know, traumatic you know, trauma.
0: Are we talking about the 10 year old? The 10 year old. Oh yeah.
1: If somebody put a gun to my head and said, you're going to choose for, do it. I, I wouldn't just boldly be able to go, well, no, it's an easy decision. Like, I mean, right. I, it would be, wow. Wow. I, it's hard, but I think it comes down to one misnomer. Mm-hmm. Would it be a traumatic experience? Yeah, probably but we can't act like abortion's not a traumatic experience from all the stories that we've heard from women over the years. Right. So it's not like the other options easy either. Right. I just want to throw that out. That's just a different perspective. That's like, it seems like, Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so easy in a, in a hard situation like that. Well, would you really want to put her through birth? Well, would you really want to put her through abortion? Uh, Yeah. I've heard those stories. Um, and two is what my wife's friend shared last night. You know, it just comes down to what is a life. And science shows that a life starts at conception. And so that would be, you know, I've heard, I've heard people debate on this issue and say, I want the rapist to face the death penalty. Mm -hmm. Yet we're giving the child the death penalty. And you look at, well, what, what is a life and what does scripture say? And I think one thing we didn't, I I didn't even think of, um, I didn't think I knew this uh, from the old Testament. A principle that we can, you know, the law and the punishment and all that's not the same, but but clearly this line is going to be major in here. It talks about in Exodus 21, uh, it gives this rule, if people are fighting and hit a pregnant woman, this is a verse 22, 23, mm-hmm. if people are fighting and hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely, but there is no serious injury, the offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. But if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life. And that's kind of, a, that's a big phrase there that it's indicating if there is an injury to the pregnancy,
0: mm-hmm.
1: then th- then it's the death penalty for the offender.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And again, we're not under the law, but it, it is just referring to a life inside the womb. Oh. And obviously we went over other scriptures a couple of weeks ago. And,, um, are these situations hard? Yeah, but I also want to I want to draw an analogy here. Let's say that there is a bread shop that gets robbed 100 times a week
0: mm-hmm.
1: Every week every week it's just 100 times a week. And we look at all of the situations. We figure out who's doing it, we figure out all the situations, and we come to find out three or four of them. Uh, are families that can't afford food. Okay, that's terrible. That's heart-wrenching. I don't really know there's going to be a million ways to help specifically those families. But should we then just legalize all burglaries? Should we make it legal and safe so that now it's just legal to be able to steal from somebody? Now, these are two different things but the stats would be the same if 95 or more percent uh, of abortions are not these tragic situations then should we just allow it to be legal and safe because of one two three percent um i i think i agree i don't know the inner workings of how laws are written and all that I think I agree that more can be done for those specific instances. Yeah. I think we need to have hard conversations there. What does that look like? Legally, what does that look like? There's the whole, is America a Christian nation? Should it be influenced by? Sure. But it really comes down to, if you believe it's a life, and whether you're a Christian or not, there's a lot of pro-life advocates that aren't Christians. It's just science says this is a life. We should protect the the life for a right to live. And so I, I guess that's where I just have trouble. Should we just yeah. make it legal when 95% of them are, or more are not those situations.
0: We see, we see a tragedy and we want to fix it. And so sometimes our responses are extreme. Mm. I know that when I talk with my children, sometimes I, especially because I'm a, I'm a passionate person. There are days if they push my buttons that I will passionately respond and, and actually have to humble myself and come back and usually go, Hey, Hey, I was a bit over the top just now with, with my response, but please understand I'm passionate because I really need you to understand this issue. Mm-hmm. So forgive my yelling or extreme response, but please hear what I'm saying. And so I find that we get very upset when we hear about these horrific acts that take place against women. Yeah. Whether rape, um this little girl, I don't know what happened. I don't know her story. It's one of those where you kind of have to force yourself to read about those kinds of stories. Like even the school shootings, it's like, you don't want to know about it because it's so awful mm-hmm. at the same time. What can we glean from it? How can we help our children better?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but I, I know that our reaction to those stories is going to be an extreme one because we're passionate, but we do need to go. Wait a second. Passion is great. But am I infusing it into the situation in the appropriate amounts? Just like a doctor, when they give the right medication, you have to do it in the right dosage. Otherwise, that patient's going to be in trouble if they're overdosing on the drug, right? That it can be beneficial in doses. So how do we respond to these situations? I don't know that an all-or-nothing approach with a law in allowing abortions to take place, especially if the percentage is higher for, as I was sharing earlier, a more promiscuous type situation. Our morning show producer, Raina, so bravely shared about her pregnancy when she was a teenager. And she said, you know, it was, I was doing something I I wasn't supposed to be doing. You know, Um, she is now married to her then boyfriend, to her baby's father. Wonderful family. Loves the Lord. Please, in fact, her story was very compelling to listen to but just sharing that she was having sex outside of marriage. It was not the best plan for her life. Um, And yet there she was, and she was pregnant and she had that baby and not having that baby was not an option for her. Uh, Most situations, abortions are because this is an unwanted pregnancy and it has nothing to do. I don't want the child because I was raped. Most of them it's not. Mm -hmm. So is there a way that we can again address the situation? Keeping the law in place and saying abortion is not the answer, but how can we do a better job as a community? Sure, in not shaming you.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. And in
0: loving you well. Yeah. And coming alongside. And there are, uh, in fact, you were sharing about a sweet family right now who just entered a program where they are looking to adopt a child. And there are so many families who are desperately wanting to help out. Yeah. In these other cases, in the 5%, where you just can't fathom the pain, there are so many issues in life where we will be confronted by pain. And for me to doubt the resiliency that when we tap into the grace of Jesus Christ is available to those who tap in, uh, it's presumptuous. Let me explain. My mom, and I've shared this before, was molested as a child. She did not have a mom after the age of four. My grandmother passed away. And My mother was consistently molested by this trusted individual of the families. Betrayal, yes. Horrific to hear that my mother endured these things, yes. But I am am so blessed by the bravery of my mom. She's a hero to me. She forgave him. She was a child taken advantage of, but she continued on her faith journey with Jesus. Even when the rest of the family was not necessarily knee-deep into their faith as she was, Jesus held her in the midst of all of that and through the forgiveness journey that she had during that time. And even when she was an adult went face to face with her offender and forgave him. It, she right. arrived at these places of grace in her life. And little did she know that later in life, she would have to tap into that forgiveness that she's so, I mean, she processed and learned through that. Right. And my, my father being bipolar, having, um, having this mental disease take away his husband-type role in her life. And now she's, in many ways, having to be the parent to her own husband because she had to admit him into the hospital, the psychiatric ward, a couple of times in their marriage. She had to forgive and shed grace on that situation. I do not know that my parents would be married today if it was not for the understanding of grace that she had to process as a child. So am I saying that that 10-year-old should have been allowed to have the child. I Look, I can't give an answer. But I do understand that our children, who we, in so many ways, like my babies, I want to protect them from everything. I want to shield them. And we are, as parents, that's our job, is to shield them as much as we can. But from the things that we cannot, from the things that this world will take from them, because it's an ugly, broken place, in many ways, because of mm-hmm. sin, can I trust God? Can I trust Him? So that if I arrive at an answer for my 10 year old child that says abortion is not the answer, if that's where I go spiritually and, and I feel like God's like, can you trust me with this? Mm. That I would literally be able to release my child over time. Can I, can I trust the creator of the universe who created me, created my child? Can I trust him with this? Yeah. Um, that that's a big, heavy thing that I'm saying. And I understand, I understand why people are like, I can't do it. I get it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I get it, but I just want to put that out there. I think we cut God short in our lives. He is all powerful. He is sovereign. There are opportunities for me to tap into who he is because I cannot, but he can yeah. in so many ways. And in, in this, the, the abortion issue is being as heavy as it is in every aspect of my life. I cut God short because I can't do this anymore, whatever it may be, whatever topic, right? Mm-hmm. But he can. And so if I am seeking wisdom and counsel, if I'm taking it first to scripture and then taking it to people who I know and trust are aligned with God and saying, what do you think? And at the end of the day, arriving at a conclusion that I feel this is the right decision for me, you know, I, I need to release that over to the, the Lord, whatever that decision is, grab hold of his peace and move forward. Yeah. It's not an easy discussion. No and okay. so mary again we're grateful for your email and I, I completely understand your heart on this subject matter i really do
1: yeah I, it's uh you know i i i sit here and i i kind of uh, i don't know mary and um i i hope that anything that we're sharing now uh doesn't come across as um yeah but you know
0: oh or, no, no, nah, no
1: no yeah i guess but because it, it is it is um
0: until you've experienced it yourself sure Sure. It's going to sound like, yeah, but you know what I mean? And
1: that's, so, and, and that's why I think it's got to be scripture as that first tier Yeah, because then it, it goes, because then, you know, I can't speak to people's traditions and experiences and the way they reason things. I, I, I can't, I can't ever trump somebody's experience right. with uh, just my own thoughts. Right. Right. But what is just the ultimate truth is scripture. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's why I would just hesitate um, to lean that it should be uh, even that it should be legal in certain yeah. cases, which is act, quite honestly, I think how a lot of conservative uh, politicians feel mm-hmm. uh, legal in certain cases or allowances or whatever. Uh, but again, I'm the most uneducated I, I'm in in this uh, department is is the where the laws, how they're written, the state's rights, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But because the most important thing just just for me and the outlook and what I share with people and certainly how i raised raise my, my kids, is uh, what does scripture say? Yeah. And I just can't walk away from scripture feeling like certain things are, certain things that have already been spoken of are up to me if the situation's bad enough. Yeah. You know, and and because and, that's the, the example I shared about the bread factory, that is a philosophical question.
0: Yeah.
1: Is it okay to steal if you don't have the money? And I guess I just... It's it's hard to ever say to somebody, you're wrong, yeah. well then yeah. I'll starve. Right. But I think in today's, in well in America, mm-hmm. I think there's so many resources for getting help instead of stealing bread.
0: Should be a last resort. But at the same time, I understand the parent, um, because we have children and you can see, just envision little Ezra at two years old, mm-hmm. he's hungry and you're homeless and you have nothing. Yeah. And he is, you know, God forbid, you know, ribs showing and I need to feed my child and I have I have exhausted the possibilities. Then stealing the loaf of bread, I, you I've, completely see how people would leap to, yes, that would be okay. You know, because
1: yeah, yeah, you get it, desperate. It's something that I would do in that situation. I mean, I'll just be honest, but but does it make it right? Mm. And that's a hard question to answer. Now you could see, because there is a scriptural um basis in, you know, David broke the old testament laws. Because his, him and his men were hungry and they ate the temple bread. Yeah. Well, that was against the, the law.
0: So glad you're bringing up David.
1: You're going to get there. I'm going to go to
0: David. Huh?
1: But but at the same time, it wasn't, it wasn't necessary. I guess just thinking about this, you know, with reason, it wasn't a law that was taken from somebody else. It was something that God had ordained and made an allowance for that situation. Yeah. And so... When it comes to a human life, I guess I just have trouble with exceptions uh, as hard as the, the philosophical or real life situations like the one she presented. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a real life. That is yes. that happened. Yes. That is a real person, a real child that is going through that. And that is horrific.
0: Yes, it is. Well, I actually, after I heard that story, I, I went and looked up the youngest person to ever give birth. It was a little girl. She was 10 years old.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: And they don't know who the father was. I think she was taken to the hospital. I believe it was a cesarean. I'm trying to explain this to my children when they hear those stories. And I'm like, okay, well, let me explain something about a little girl's body versus a woman's body. Your body at 10 may be capable of pregnancy, but birthing a child easily is a different situation. Mm. It, it, their little hips aren't wide enough and all this stuff. It's just, ugh, even thinking these things out loud is so, yeah. so very sad. Yeah. There's so many things that you want to like explore with what you're sharing. And one of the words that you shared a couple of times there is I can lean into that. And Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, these are verses that are are, uh, relayed a lot. Perhaps you know them by heart, but to lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge God. He will make your path straight. Those words, they sound so nice and lovely when you're having a bad day. Well, I'm going to lean on his understanding. I have to lean on his understanding. In all things. How do I do that? What does scripture say? Yeah. And so also what is the heart of what scripture is saying is hugely important because yes, we can get bogged down with um, making anything a, a soapbox moment, a cause to support this scripture supports what I have to say about this issue when maybe that wasn't the context for it in the first place. Sure. Sure. And so uh, that's important. So, David eating the bread, I've always thought, well, David got away with it. Probably mm-hmm. fine. But here's the thing it, David had a whole heart for God.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: And, and so, God could look at the heart of the guy and go, where's your mind set right now? Mm-hmm. Is it set on me, even in the midst of needing bread? Mm-hmm. And you see your son and he needs food, and you were overriding this law with knowing that life is important and I want him to continue living. I mean, I, this is kind of where I'm going. I'm, I'm not reading that out of scripture. That's me just kind of reasoning it through well, my mind.
1: When you're reasoning that I'm sitting here thinking about to me, maybe it's more in line with, and uh, we're going to have my pastor on next week. And man, I wish he was here right now, <laughs> but <laughs> to me, maybe it's more in line with if you're stealing bread, because you're hungry, perhaps it's more of a, you know, a person that works at Panera And instead of them doing what they're supposed to and throwing it in the garbage, they give you the day old bagels, even though they're not supposed to. Like, perhaps it's more like that instead of, no, you're stealing bread from somebody that also needs bread Mm. or something like that. And and I guess it's and maybe it's even just a bad example. It's a bad analogy in general. The whole bread thing may be a bad analogy in general, because simply with this pro-life thing, we're talking about a human life and whether or not they get to exist or not. And there's nothing that they can do about it, but something that we can. Yeah. And so there's no sort of great analogy uh, in regards of sealing bread that's exactly the same. No, I, I guess I, it's just the making allowances thing that I was going for. But I
0: understand. And I appreciate you saying that too. In case it came off as callous, I did not take it that way. I thought you, I, yeah, I totally saw where you were coming from. You know, it's interesting. Um, speaking of the heart, I did do a little research about the Shema. Um, and that was something that I... I think it was like five episodes ago. Like what's the difference between heart and soul? Yes. And like we were kind of pondering over that. And so real quick here, when the Shema is a prayer that a good Jewish person would say um, every single day is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Oh, listen, Israel. Uh, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And Jesus added, um, I believe, the word mind in there. So it's heart, soul, and strength. And uh, why is that important? What does that actually mean? I know from just reading it surface level what heart, soul, and strength means to me. And it was fascinating what what I discovered. so when you when we say to love God, where to respond to God's love by loving him back? We only know about love because he first loved us, right? And how do we do that <laughs> through obeying him? and through honoring him with our actions people look at me and they go oh that's a god kid why because i there's evidence right in your heart to love him with your heart not only is the heart the place where you know you pump your blood it's the generator it's the generator of your physical life right there but back in those days they didn't know about brain matter so the heart was really it's the center of where you think feel thoughts you are to love god and devote all of that body and thoughts and emotions and choices Um, with your soul. It actually isn't like the, the Greek interpretation of soul is more like what I think about soul. It's like, when I die, my soul will leave my body and go to be in heaven. That's usually what I think. That's Mm -hmm. more of a Greek interpretation. Um, Nefesh is what actually soul is interpreted. And it's, it's like your essence. It's not something that leaves your body. I think that's your spirit when you ultimately, you know, die yeah. and you go to be with heaven. But your soul, it's your physical thirst beca- can become a metaphor for what your nephesh is. It's just like my essence, my everything, my drive, my passion and my strength. Um, it's just everything. It's like I, hopefully it, it's encapsulating here what we're supposed to be giving God. It's everything, everything else that's not taken up by your essence and your passion and your thoughts and your body, everything in between. And if I am not loving God with everything, then I am in some way dethroning him and putting something else in his place. Mm -hmm. So my thoughts need to be fully of what do you want, Lord? So when I'm going through difficult times, if I'm faced with a difficult decision, like what we've been discussing. Lord, I'm to love you with my physical body, with all of my thoughts, with all of my passion. I'm, so, I'm to resign those to you as no longer I who live, but you who live in me because I follow after you. That's what I'm to love him with. It's really important to grab hold of. And I think that King David is an excellent example. There are so many stories that lead up to Samuel in the Old Testament. And I feel like every one of them just, oh, it's just sad, especially in between the person of of Moses and Joshua. And when we get to Samuel, the judges fell short. I mean, there were a few good examples in there, but Samuel finally comes along and this guy's all in. And he's not even from the Levite tribe. And these are the guys committed to being priests, right? But Samuel is this kid who's dedicated to the service of God because his mom wants to have a baby and desperately wants one and she's barren and can't. And finally, God says, you know what? It's time. She has little Samuel. She brings him in to help Eli the priest and he lives there. And God hasn't really, it wasn't common for him to be speaking to anybody in those days. But he chooses to speak to Samuel. And so when Samuel hears the voice of God, Samuel. Samuel. And Samuel's trying to sleep. He's a little kid. He thinks it's Eli, the priest calling him from the other room. This happens a few times. And Eli doesn't get it right away. It's because God's not really speaking to Eli a whole heck of a lot. Mm -hmm. So he's like, oh my word, I think this must be God talking to Samuel. And then for the remainder of Samuel's life, God is speaking to Samuel. He is the prophet of the people. He is the one who first anoints King Saul and then anoints King David when Saul falls short. And David, this kid's all in. But in 2 Samuel, the book of Second Samuel, you really start to read a lot of failures. Places where David, in his older age, I, the older I get, the more I realize I, <laughs> how easy it is to let go of the things that you learned in your youth. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know if you're trekking along and everything seems to be going okay, but you start to, Realize you get a little more impatient. You just I don't know. You used to have more tolerance maybe when you were younger for people. (laughs) Now you're like I have lived too long to be having a deal with these these silly whippersnappers or whatever it is that you're dealing with traffic. (laughs) You know
1: I think I do that when I with people when I learn their flaws and that may be everybody you know why are you so annoyed with your spouse so easy. Mm. they do this all the time
0: mm-hmm. you do it
1: every time you always do this yeah no never use always, always. And never language <laughs> you never do this you always do that yeah. no it's not true either um but i i think that's as you get older it's because you know not only specific people but you know people better yeah you know somebody's gonna cut you off in traffic and yeah you get more jaded a million times and you become jaded
0: you could become jaded so a warning sign for that maybe through king david and um because he still loved Jesus. I mean, he didn't know that Jesus was a part of this holy God that he served at that time. He does reference him in Psalms. My Lord says to my Lord, you can, you can see these pieces of Jesus showing up, um, but he loved God. And yet there are moments in his leadership where he deviates from full trust. And makes really poor decisions. We talked about him with his son Absalom uh, a few podcasts ago, and that's something to listen to. Um, We know, uh, obviously, through his missteps with Bathsheba. um, Interestingly enough, there is redemption there for David with the birth of Solomon, who will be the greatest, most famous king, according to Scripture. I think most people hold David in their hearts higher because Solomon fell short big time. Um, but David, he does this thing where he is victory after victory after victory and kind of the anti-hero in the story of David is this guy named Joab. He's one of his, he's the top commander of the army and he's a guy who basically has got his own mind about stuff and he follows David. He really, admirably, and he also follows his own heart. So if David asks him to do something and Joab feels that, you know what, that's not going to be the best decision for your kingdom, he goes against what the king asks him to do. He's actually the guy who kills Absalom, his son, after David requested, nobody kill my son, bring him back unharmed. And he orders that he get, he orders him killed. Joab does his own thing. He's kind of an anti-hero. But there are moments of bravery and heroics and sometimes wisdom that come through this guy. And David goes to Joab and says, all right, I want a count. I want a head count of how many capable men between a certain age are available for the army. And you read this story. I think it's in the 24th chapter of Second Samuel. I just looked that up. I think that's right. But you read the story and at first you're like, okay, well, I mean, census were taken during Jesus' time, obviously, the head count. And this would have been like the ultimate, like God's like, I have supplied every single one of your needs. What are you doing a head count for? Why are you relying on men anyway? You think men got you here? We've done all this, David. You remember Goliath? (laughs) I helped you beat that guy. In fact, I beat him for you. No way a little pebble's going to land just so without me landing it there in his forehead to knock him out. You know what I mean? So God has done all these victories for David And yet he's like, I need a head count. And this is what happens. Joab goes Habsies and he only does a certain amount of counting because he's telling David, he's like, why do you want a head count? You have never done this before. God's got it. It's going to be fine. And he doesn't even count some of the areas. He's like, "Ah." so he comes back to David and gives him a head count. And David immediately regrets the decision. He realizes, my heart was not in the right place in this. I'm not loving God with all my heart in this moment. And I let fear get the better of me. I got a little anxious, getting older, maybe. Maybe I got jaded, I don't know. And he confesses to God and God said, you know what, buddy? He says it through one of his prophets that comes to visit the king. This is not okay. And he gives him three choices. He said, this is going to affect you. Your leadership and your lack of trust is going to now affect the kingdom. And this is on you. And so you can choose. And there were three different ways that it could go. And they weren't good choices. It was like, okay, well, you could be without food for a real long time, or you could be pummeled by the enemy, or you could be struck by a disease in three days' time and a lot of people die. And these were pretty, like, people assess, um, after reading this passage, these would have been, like, equally Horrific to the people, devastating to the numbers of people. But the very thing that David had kind of like looked to in the moment of distrust, the people and the numbers of people is what God is now going to remove out of the equation. Oh, you think you can trust people? I am now going to remove people from your kingdom. You choose. And three days later, horrific Disease has taken out thousands of people because of his misstep here. And David begs God, please take this out on my family. Please take this out on me. The the innocent people don't deserve it. After three days' time, true to God's word, he lifts the disease from the area. But the point has been made. I thought that was a fascinating story. It's when you don't hear a lot because it's not, it's not a fun bedtime story. It's not
1: a Sunday school story.
0: It's not, but you think about your place of influence, wherever you have authority, whether in your own home, because we all have it somewhere, or you're a boss or whatever, what we do affects the people around us. And when I choose to misplace my trust, when I choose to lean on my own understanding and all these issues, there is going to be backlash. It will affect others. And God's point all throughout, David, he, he kept saying over and over again, if you abide by my rules, if you obey me, If you lean in me, then all these things are going to be taken care of. That's from Proverbs. That's from Solomon. Solomon says all throughout the book of Proverbs, how as a child, he learned from his parents. So he was taught and trained this as a child to lean on God's understanding and not my own. Lean on God's understanding and not my own over and over and over again. Because the ramifications um, are devastating. And I, it's not that I think God is going to usher a disease into the world and take people out, per se. I know a lot of people have questioned that in the midst of COVID. I'm not going to leap to that conclusion at all right now, ever. Uh, in fact, I, the point being, I think God wants to give us his best. And I rob him of that opportunity when I choose to lean on anything but his understanding and I rob those around me as well because yeah. it will affect them. My decisions, my choices will affect others.
1: We were talking a little bit about temptation earlier on our, well, around our show. We were just kind of chatting and and I think this goes along with that because uh, you, you're you reading a proverb about around the corner lies temptation and it's yeah. presented in the form of a prostitute. And, Proverbs 7, yeah. And um, we get complacent and coast, and maybe even life's boring. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then all of a sudden, a choice that we make can affect our whole family. Mm. It can affect our whole whole ecosystem, if you will. Mm. You know, because if you start stealing from work, and then you lose your job, and then your family is not doing well, and then your spouse leaves you, and, you know, and so you talk about Trusting in God, leaning on God—that also applies to the times when temptation comes. Yeah, we see affairs break up marriages all the time. Yeah, we see pornography break up marriages all the time, and you see where actions. I, I think it just seems like maybe not affairs. I think most people are aware, you know, if if so and so found out the ramifications, but so many other things like pornography is one of those things that it's like, well. Who's it really going to hurt?
0: Yeah. It's, it's only me in this room. Nobody else yeah. sees it per se.
1: You set aside the whole conversation about the business itself and about how it's ran on people. It's, it, it's, yeah. it, it's like if everybody did their part, then there wouldn't be, you know, this, but we don't think like that. You said all the business side and the victims of that and trafficking and all that stuff. And you just think personally and it's like, well, what would your spouse say? Or, mm-hmm what would your future spouse say? What is your future spouse going to say when you have to have that conversation about, Hey, I was, or am addicted to it. Uh, and by the way, um, I don't know. personally, I don't think you could have that conversation of, uh, with clarity, by the way, it's, uh, it's really messed me up. Yeah. I don't think you can know that until you realize, uh, the inner workings of the relationship. And it's like, Oh yeah, that did mess me up mentally. Yeah, Yeah, it did. You know, and so it doesn't, I mean, the point is it just doesn't affect, uh, and not just this, every, every one of our decisions that can lead to, um, whether it's pride or not trust, simply not trusting Mm -hmm. or, or a certain temptation.
0: Does it ever profit a person to be addicted to anything but God? Um, again, if you put addiction up there, if you're addicted to something other than God, then it is an idol uh, because it's taking the place of what God says. I am, I am all you need. You're really, thirsty, I've got water, right? I really got to watch my barbecue intake. <laughs> but in, in all honesty, as is you're is your sharing, it's not even about your future wife. It's like, okay, th- what you take in, it's like what you eat, you you become what you eat, kind mm-hmm, of phraseology. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, whatever you take in, it gets to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It gets into your mindset. It mm-hmm. it slowly transforms how you see other people. I I can start objectif- objectifying people. I think even movies. We'll just take movies sure. themselves.
1: It's like, oh, that doesn't shock me anymore. Yeah, that doesn't bother me You're anymore.
0: Desensitized. That's all of
1: us in some way. Absolutely. Besides and the Amish.
0: <laughs> measuring that, measuring that, and 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 being aware of it is is really important. Or it leads to that place where maybe David just was jaded in the moment. I I, I don't want to mm-hmm. be desensitized in the moment. Yeah. Because if yeah. I let my guard down, you know, we were talking about Proverbs seven and that prostitute approaches this guy. Where she was actually, yeah, she was a wife of somebody and she was just wanting to party. He, it says that he's with a group of guys, so he's with people. This person being observed from Solomon's window, he's watching this young man with this group of people and he breaks off for whatever reason, maybe they're going on to their own homes or whatever. But imagine you've been with community. You're surrounded by people. As long as he was surrounded by people, the temptation wasn't there. Mm-hmm. But the moment he rounds the corner she's there. So you're walking along minding your own business and all of a sudden temptations in front of you, whatever that looks like. Yeah. In this case it was it was a sexual situation. What is your temptation?
1: I and I think that's both figurative and literal. Uh it literally when you're alone, yeah, you're more likely to convince yourself of pornography or embezzling money or whatever. Um but then if you've broken community because you haven't gone to church in a while Mm
0: -hmm.
1: or you haven't hung out with your Christian friends in a while. And it's like, yeah, there's that whole, You know, you start encouraging people to go to church too strongly. All of a sudden, you sound like a legalist. You sound like somebody from the fifties. Why aren't you at church? We missed you on the Sunday school (laughs) countdown. The thing that they put at the back of the room. There's 68 in Sunday school today, and you weren't there. Um, It's like how
0: many days have we gone without something happening? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And so zero days. Yeah, you don't want to sound like that, but but there is a benefit to meeting together and to continually meeting together. I think so. And being encouraged by. A a person that um has you can you can help each other when you're you're in the valley
0: you know yeah that's <laughs> why we have one another yeah the, I think the imagery of Jesus saying take my yoke upon you a yoke uh, I believe with oxen it was meant for two and so when he's taking it on with you he's alongside you right um when he's carrying the brunt of it. My burden is easy and light. Doesn't mean I'm not going to still have part of the yoke on me. Mm -hmm. You know, this life is going to be, it's going to be an uphill climb. Yeah. It's not going to be easy. We want things easy. You hear about the quote, dream job, you know, all this stuff. Bible doesn't say, hey, go out and look for a fluff job. That's true. And honestly, do, do you really want that kind of person in your own life? Whoever goes out and seeks the person to be their best friend, that is everything they've ever wanted brought to them on a silver platter. That type of person is not living in reality. So (laughs) I don't want to be that kind of person either. I mean, uh, my flesh, clearly there are days that I do, but I want to grow in, in integrity. And scripture tells us that in order for that to happen, then patience is something that has to be pursued and understood and processed. Yeah. Because yeah. it builds character.
1: Well, thank you for hanging with us today. Uh, this has been a great discussion. Uh, we certainly appreciate emails and reviews yes. and all of that uh, because we'd love to discuss it and talk about it with you in this, you know, a little bit of a delayed conversation, I guess. Uh, you email us, then we'll talk. Um, but, Wait, let me get it. Yeah.
0: Anything at HopeOnDemand.com.
1: You remembered.
0: You were right if I just say it so many there times. anything
1: at Anything at HopeOnDemand.com. That's our email. Of course, you can leave a review and a comment. Uh, and then next week we start a really big series, how to love your neighbor when, and we have some special guests. Uh, my pastor will be on next week talking about how we love our neighbor when they're going through grief. Yeah. Cause we all have those moments. I have no idea what to say and I want to help, but I don't want to come in there and go, God has a plan like uh, in like right, right. a terrible, tragic circumstance, but you want to give the love of God, sure. but you don't know what to do. He's going to give, so he's been through a lot. Our church has been through a lot with some devastating circumstances. He'll give some great uh, clarity to kick off that series next week. And it'll be a great three-part series. So we will see you next week here on the Anything But Quiet Time podcast or even more encouragement and content, hopeondemand.com.